Welcome to Digging in the Doom, Episode 3. Today's episode, The Magic of Morrison. I will level with you guys. Today's episode is the one I have been the most excited about and the most terrified of. Grant Morrison, their Doom Patrol run. Not only is it obviously one of my favorite runs in comics, period. Not only is it most people's go-to when it comes to Doom Patrol. This is a series and a creator that have kind of become a foundational cornerstone and pillar to some of my greatest friendships, relationships. Uh, This is a person, Grant Morrison, that opened up my worldview when it comes to many and many and many things without even realizing it. I attribute the work they've done with uh, a lot of who I am today. I think if you have listened to other podcasts on this network, whether it be Blah Blah Comics with Derek... Uh, Dangerous Humans with Dan, uh, two of my best friends, and two people that both have uh, connected with me, and we have, I think, grown as friends because of Grant Morrison work. And Grant Morrison, you know, going on to, of course, influence people who have influenced me in even greater ways, whether it be people like Gerard Way, whether it be uh, some of the new worlds that Morrison has opened up with uh, books like Luda, shows like Happy, and uh, a laundry list of other things. This is an episode that's kind of daunting in a way, because for one, what is there to say that hasn't already been said about this run? Uh, for two, this entire series of podcasts have kind of been built around the idea of, hey, let's show who the creators are of this amazing team of characters, of this amazing run of comics, the amazing history of comics. Because so many creators behind different Doom Patrol eras have never got their just desserts, have never gotten their flowers. People don't talk about them enough. Morrison, that's not the case. Morrison has documentaries made about them, autobiographies that they have written, uh, a current substack where they're going in detail about so many and millions and millions of amazing things. They have countless interviews, countless think pieces, all kinds of stuff. There's not a lot... That hasn't been said before. So there's a lot of different emotions. Uh, nonetheless, I am excited because bare minimum I get to talk about you know, my favorite writer for a while. I get to talk about some really cool things. Uh, we talked a lot in the previous term about Coverberg, both the rise and fall, rise and fall again of Coverberg's run. Uh, I should mention before I get too much further that yes, uh, Richard Case, the artist, and a ton of fill-in artists, a ton of incredible letters, colorists, editors. There's a lot of other people that helped make the Grant Morrison run something special. It's not just Grant Morrison. Though Grant Morrison, I would argue, is a special ingredient, clearly, that uh, I would argue until Gerard Way's run, we didn't really have another run that got to that level. Although Rachel Pollock's run does have some extremely high moments I'm excited to talk about in the very, very, very near future. Uh, I think... We'll just start at the beginning. We'll start in 1989 with issue 19. Uh, One little key thing a lot of people always forget about this. Issue 19 is also the first book that was no longer submitted to the CCA. 
uh, for approval. This meant they it allowed a lot of new things. It had a lot of restraints that were lifted from them. And so that meant Morrison was able to be Morrison on this book and deliver the stories that they would. Uh, Cupbrook also agreed to help Morrison out by doing a lot of setup work. Writing out the characters, Morrison wasn't going to use uh, Celsius and Scott Fisher characters like that. You'd had uh, Celsius was killed in an explosion in Invasion. Scott Fisher was the uh, the only hero casualty of the Dominator's gene bomb from, uh, I believe, Invasion as well. Karma left the team, became a member of Suicide Squad, and died uh, on the very first mission of the, their Suicide Squad during War of the Gods. Negative Spirit left Negative Woman's body. Lodestone, of course, entered a coma. Morrison, one of the smallest things that a lot of people don't talk about too, Morrison also requested that a small character from issue 14 be kind of hidden in the art of the last page of issue 18, that being Dorothy. A really cool little setup thing. I always thought that was awesome. Uh, for one, I always think it's really cool when you have creators getting to work together that even though Kupperberg's run isn't the best, and even though there's a lot of failures in it and not as many successes, the fact that Kupperberg was such a fan of Doom Patrol and tried so hard to make Doom Patrol work. And when they saw Morrison coming, had an inkling to at least help them out, at least set the stage for what was to come, is invaluable. Because, of course, that would lead to Crawling from the Wreckage. That would lead to the very, very, very famous first issue. That would lead to the start of everything, in a lot of ways, for Morrison, too. I mean, <clears throat> you got to remember, this is 1989. You've already had the starts of the British Invasion. You've had some seminal works come out from the Moors, from Gaiman. You've had Miller really into the picture. You're starting, the world has started to become the comics world we kind of recognize in the modern era in a lot of ways. A lot of tropes, for better or worse, a lot of things that we love, a lot of things we hate. This is that time frame where we were kind of seeing the building blocks of that. And a lot is going to become uh, of Doom Patrol that it never was before. A lot of setting the stage will come from this very first issue, issue 19. So to get, again, to start with, Morrison from the beginning understood the importance of weird in a Doom Patrol. Morrison also understood that the messaging was important too. I mean, you kind of have Morrison change the title. I mean, it's something that I know some people don't necessarily love that Morrison does, but Morrison, when they take over a title, and it's especially one that they've had a giant run on, it very much becomes defined by morrison's view of the characters and typically it's a view that is very valid this is of course morrison is someone who famously does a ton of legwork in getting ready for these characters and getting ready to take to tackle a bigger arc and tackle a bigger story tackle a longer run uh morrison's doom patrols you know starts and kind of would become known for messages of acceptance of the different for becoming kind of a voice for the voiceless showing in a lot of issues that not every single problem has an easy solution pushed mainstream books further than they had been pushed at this time. Uh, the team was treated small and marginal and kind of unknown in their world, very similar to how they were treated in our world. I mean, from the beginning of Mission 19, you had Ro Robot Man's plight becoming more and more directly linked to that of the disabled. I mean, in Issue 19, you had Robot Man shown as a you know, full amputee, mentioning phantom limbs and phantom bowels. And again, this is years before that was common vernacular. We nowadays throw away, throw around phantom limb. That's a known phrase. Okay, you're talking about 89. You're talking about a time frame where we didn't have Google to just like instantly look up really, for one, really cool words. Phantom limb will always be just sounds for as horrible and excruciating experience as it has to be. 
one of the coolest sounding things in the world, Phantom Limb. Phantom Battles also just sounds, it's such a great descriptor early on of the type of work Morrison would do in this book. You also have at one point, uh, Roman banging his head against the wall just to feel anything, just desperate to try to feel pain even. Again, something that was instantly, instantly hitting you right in the gut. You had Rebus, a very early representation of uh, today what we would very much know as non-binary, a fusion of a white man and a black woman, both queer and biracial. Crazy Jane and a, someone who was abused as a child has 64 personalities, each one with a unique power set. Dorothy, a, a young psychic that has you know very simian ape-like features, drawn purposely to be ugly, yet one of the kindest beings in all the comics in the most part. Uh, John Tempest, you you know, a black father figure to Dorothy, a good one. Uh, something that you don't really, again, you didn't see at the time. Uh, in this book from very early on, I know some people hate when this gets thrown around, but it's very true. Morrison understood the importance of representation. Morrison understood the importance of if you show real emotion, if you show real plights, it doesn't matter if it's a brain in a robot body or Superman if you're able to make the unrelatable relatable, you can find real gold and something special there. Again, something that just, yes, you had books that had done that, but to see it from Doom Patrol, a book that a lot of people at this point had written off, the key thing to remember in this time frame is that this is coming off of Kupperberg's room. This is coming off of a team that had more canceled series than it did series for the most part. This wasn't the the team we all rally behind today and something that Morrison, even in those early, early, early issues understood. Cause you're talking about a late eighties, early nineties world that was dominated by these perfect, mostly white heroes. And this was a kind of relatable team that felt real, no matter how weird they were. And from the very beginning, their weirdness was not only important, but kind of the key to preserve who not only they were in their world, but that it showed the importance that the weird has to exist to help preserve the normal. I mean, you had early on, uh, them flyouts talking about saving the squares and saving the normal people from the scissormen or, you know, of course, famously with the pain and eight Paris, you have the baffled justice league that has no clue what is going on and are just staring at a painting baffled while the doom patrol are battling the fifth horseman of the apocalypse eventually that's being transformed to a child's rocking horse it pops out of the painting uh to the shock dismay and utter confusion of superman i mean this is a, a time frame where you get to see superman not beaten not destroyed something even more rare you get to see superman dumbfounded confused not understanding what is going on Meanwhile, the Doom Patrol are handling this mission like it's any other day for them, because it is. Going back to Morrison, really honing in on the importance of, like, the struggles of one kind of person are completely different from another that does not make them unequal or invalid, and that doesn't mean that the person with the normal solutions has any fucking clue how to handle the weird shit. And as someone who uh, has struggled with everything from mental health to sexual identity to physical issues, to injury, and everything in between. It's a book I've always related to, and I think a lot of us do for those reasons. But again, the fact that Morrison so early in their issues were able to firmly establish 
that they had a place in DC, that the Doom Patrol not only had a place in DC Comics and in the DC Universe, but an important place, but also a place that the Justice League couldn't go, a place that the Suicide Squad couldn't solve these problems by blowing their head off. You know, this wasn't a, you can't send Batman in here to, you know, to figure out what's going on to you to become the world's greatest detective and figure it out. You probably can't even send Constantine, someone who's very familiar with the weird world into a lot of situations. Cause even he would be dumbfounded with what is going on throughout Morrison's run. It just spirals more and more away from traditional hero books. Uh, you have, of course, <laughs> someone, uh, someone in a bean that would go on to kind of become the heart of the team. You have Danny, the street being introduced. You had, you know, Mr. Nobody running for president, the catacombs of the Pentagon, uh, the Mr. Smith stuff. And again, just going back to the fact that Morrison, even in the in the superhero book from the late 80s, early 90s, early on, stuff like sexual identity becoming more and more of a kind of crucial point to these books. Something that would become very, very valuable to readers decades later. And this is also, I should mention, before a lot of the Morrison drug trips, acid trips, before straight into the magic world, straight into the Morrison we know, this is still a Morrison kind of cutting their teeth on a hero book and really just going, uh, you know, I've heard plenty of interviews in the past where they've described it as sleep deprivation being the only thing that really may have triggered that. And again, there, if anyone is wondering uh, where lots of information has come from, or if you want more information to a lot of this, uh, Grant Morrison's book, Super Gods, uh, the documentary, uh, I believe it was Talking with Gods. Uh, it's a documentary all about Grant Morrison. Really well put together. I think it's on Pluto TV currently, I want to say. Uh, there's uh, my, what I think is my favorite interview of all time. Uh, Grant Morrison and Gerard Way talking where they go in great depth. You, of course, have uh, the famous Grant Morrison magic conference stuff. This is someone that there is a wide breadth of information on. And I, I think that's why, for one, I know previous episodes I have gone in depth on like the entire creator's career and stuff. And don't worry, I I would love to do that with Morrison. But again, it's kind of territory that, uh, for one, I've already gone through. Could go see every episode of Blah Blah Comics and <laughs> Dangerous Humans. I guarantee you Grant Morrison and Gerard Way come up, at least in some form, in basically every episode. Because uh, the patron saints of this network, they are. <laughs> But yeah, you uh, again, you had uh, not only did you have the importance of sexual identity becoming more important to the book uh, to get back on track, you also had the villains that were becoming every bit as weird as uh, Doom Patrol, but also not in the traditional way. You had Mr. Nobody forcing others to think in new ways, uh, <laughs> both good and bad. But at the core of Morrison's Doom Patrol, we saw the importance of new ideas and experiencing those new ideas, but again, both good and bad. The fact that you can learn just as much, if not more things from a bad experience as you can from a good experience. But the fact that, that uh, at this time, Morrison was pushing the idea of these new experiences are what kind of give you life. They are what uh, are again, not only important to life, but they are life in many, many ways. I mean, celebrating the goofiness of Doom Patrol became a central key. And it's something that to this day I love because it kind of kind of ties into 
the idea of the importance of Ludens, uh, and I'm going to butcher their name. It's uh, Joan Huizinga, I believe. But uh, they made the case that the ability and appetite for play is a defining characteristic of humanity. And that's from their book, Homo Ludens. And it's something that I, I believe is very, that is a great uh, read-along to Morrison's Doom Patrol run. Because the idea of we can get so serious, so down, and it's easy to do that because when you're at the worst of times, it's so hard to think of the fun. But in many ways, that fun is what separates humans from everything else in this world. In many ways, the fact that we put importance on play and the fact that we celebrate the weird, we celebrate the goofiness, we can look at a story and see that sometimes the fact that the this story is limited is what makes it special. I, for those who know, I'm a pro wrestler. One of my all-time favorite pro wrestlers, Minoru Suzuki. Something that has always stuck with me is uh, when asked what makes wrestling special, it's a, not about the moves you can do, it's about the moves you can't do. What makes wrestlers like Minoru Suzuki or John Moxley special is not the fact that, oh, well, if you watch a match, you know they're not going to go in there and do some crazy flip top rope 630 Phoenix splash uh, off the top to a burning table outside. They can't do that. But because they can't do that, they kind of have this weird advantage of, okay, how can I do something as interesting as that that is 5,000 times easier, to be honest? But also, my limitations become part of the story. The story of the match, or in this case, the story of the comic. The fact that those limitations now become an advantage because they become relatable. They become the thing that people hold on to. They become the key to it all. Superhero books are a dime a dozen. There's a million of them. And with this podcast series, I really want to explore partly not only the creators, but you know what makes Doom Patrol different because it is a very unique book. And... I mean, even in the grand reveal of Morrison's story, which again, my <laughs> spoilers, major spoilers. So if you're listening to this series about Doom Patrol and deep dive about the creators and you've never read Doom Patrol, fucking get off your ass and go read Doom Patrol. If you want them on Comixology, I believe they're all, all the Morrison runs still on sale for like four ninety nine a volume. And there's beautiful new reprints I need to buy of the Morrison run. And a lot of that's not hard to find anymore. At one point in time, Flex Mentala was extremely hard to find the uh, four-issue spinoff series. Uh, and I will say, Flex Mentalo, to this day, I consider the greatest comic ever written. Those four issues of comics, for those who don't know, they're like a, uh, a history of comics through the eyes of this comics character. It's incredible Frank Quietly art. And it is some of the most thoughtful, thought-provoking comics ever made. I... Flex Mentalo is another character I am madly in love with, adore, and I could have a... F there probably will be an episode devoted to just that series very soon, too. That is, bar none, my favorite comic ever written. Uh, there's a lot that come close, but nothing is... A, I can't put anything above that, and I can't even really tie anything with it. Flex Mentalo is my favorite thing, period. And uh, I know I'm not going to go into a deep dive of the story that I don't typically on these stories, but if you've never read Flex Mentalo, now that it's easily to get, go fucking get it. Uh, to go back where I was going before, uh, even Morrison's grand reveal, you know, eventually, spoiler, revealed the chief was essentially the main villain behind a lot of things. 
the chief set up the crash that you know that formed the team and he, you know he has plans for towards it a lot worse and even it's even shown that the positives that came from the chief don't negate his evil but that they can exist at the same time and it's an idea that today i know especially with everything going on with us holding a lot of uh, pop culture icons to a higher standard with, with uh, us not allowing musicians and actors, actresses, etc., to get away with stuff. It's holding us uh, in a social courtroom more and more and more. I think it's important that these ideas were drilled in that you can love, you can at one point love a person, then find out they did something evil. And that doesn't negate good gained from them but it also doesn't negate the evil they've done. There is a much harder path to follow in the middle of yes, admitting the total truth, admitting both the good and the bad. And again, it, it's shown that the chief's actions, no matter how pure have just turned him eventually into the same villain he was fighting. And the team, although recognizing good he's done also recognizes the evil that's going on as well. And of course, going back to, take away from the story point the meta point of the amount of great meta moments throughout this book throughout this run are un, just uncountable and immeasurable and how great they are i mean danny danny is three it's all you really have talked about a ton of a transgender street essentially that has evolved over the years to become the heart of the team and whether it be in planet danny whether it be danny in the ambulance whether it be Danny possessing a single person and becoming part of that. No matter how you look at it, the fact that this book made you care about a street as a main character and not in the way that people talk about like Gotham as a main character. I, I get that and I agree. Scott Snyder, Black Mirror, best that character's ever been written. The best Gotham's ever been portrayed in my book. Uh, and I think it's incredible. However, Never gave a shit to Gotham the level I care about Danny the Street. One of, I think, one of the best characters in comics. As I think most of the characters in this book are, I think. They all are. And I think that's one reason why uh, Morrison has left such a shadow over Doom Patrol that no one has really been able to get out of. I think the closest we've gotten again is Jardway doing their run on it as well. Uh, but very much a student of Morrison. And uh, upcoming with the Dennis Culver run, I think Dennis Culver is going to do some fucking awesome shit, I think. And I know that he's very influenced by Morrison in a lot of ways. I also know he's influenced by everything. Doom Patrol, again, part of why I'm doing the show is not to just talk about Morrison. But I'd be a crazy liar if I didn't celebrate everything Grant Morrison brought to this book. And continues to bring this book. This is a book that I uh, ask any of my good friends and they will tell you I am the worst at rereading comics even ones i love i'm awful about rereading however grand morrison's doom patrol is one of the ones that every now and then whether i will just pick up random volumes i will go to random pages i will just read them for inspiration and it's another thing we haven't talked about uh this kind of started the trend of morrison creating titles that would go on to have massive influence massive inspiration to millions of things and millions of people with others just not understanding and think it's too weird, think it's too odd. And I know this is just sounding like 30 minutes of me sucking Grant Morrison off. Uh, 
And in some regards, it probably is. I'm not afraid or ashamed to admit that. This is, again, my favorite run by my favorite creator, by my with some of my favorite artists involved and some of my favorite stories. If you, again, if you for some reason are listening to this and haven't read Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, go out right now and do that. Please do. I think it is one of the most important comic stories ever written. Just for the fact of, at the end of the day, the book is looking the reader in the eye and saying, I see you. I care about you. There is love in the world for you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you will do, there is a story for you to be told. And this would really set Morrison off into the Morrison we know now. And a lot of, and yes, there's a lot of, you know, before, of course, there's a ton of incredible books that came before. But this is one of those books that when you hold and you read and you flip to the pages, it's special. And you understand the magic of comics through it. You understand that this medium is different than other mediums. Like, look, I said earlier, I'm a pro wrestler. Pro wrestling is my art form. That's my that's my heart. That's my soul. Comics have helped me in a lot of ways. Grant Morrison has helped me in a lot of ways. Grant Morrison comics have helped me in a lot of ways. Just being one of them. And I think they've done that for a lot of people. And I think there are certain books you have to look at in a lens that are more than just what you're reading. More than just the book you're holding. The experience, the the power it has, the magic it has. And I know with Grant Morrison, all of their love of magic and their love of cult and everything, I know it's easy to start doing magic this, magic that, sigil this, sigil that. However, I think this, if anything, might, this might be proof into it of things I believe with Morrison because I've never to this day met another creator that comes to the level of a book like this. And it's something truly, truly special. And again, this is, let's be honest, the reason why we all celebrate Dream Patrol at its root comes down to Morrison in a lot, a lot of ways. Yes, what Arnold Drake made at the beginning, where it started, is 100% that that first brick being laid down. And brick by brick by brick, this entire series was built. Some weren't so sturdy. Some had to be replaced. Some fell along the wayside. But if we're building brick by brick and talking foundations, Graham Morrison is the entire first floor the and the walls that have held the roof on to this day. Like, in a lot of ways, Morrison is the pillar of Doom Patrol. And no one has taken that crown yet. Now, we've got a new Doom Patrol coming up with Dennis Culver's run. And this episode of Digging the Doom will be out before Unstoppable Doom Patrol 1 comes out. Of course, I've read the previous story. Haven't read issue one, obviously. Uh, but if you're reading this, reading this, if you're watching, listening to this, wherever you're on, if you're listening to this, and again, haven't read much Doom Patrol or haven't given it a try, go out to your comic shop this Wednesday. It's a DC book. Go on Tuesday. Go out. Buy a copy. Read it. Worst case scenario, you get to see some gorgeous Chris Burnham art and some wacky adventures that maybe you don't connect with. Best case scenario... And I hesitate to even say it, but best case scenario, you, you get a book that feels special, reads special, and could lead to something special. Like, look, I'm not going to guarantee Doom Patrol is going to give you great friendships and great relationships and everything else. I do know Doom Patrol has strengthened some incredible friendships of mine. <laughs> and uh, honestly, it's kind of weird talking about Doom Patrol and Graham Morrison without having either Derek or Dan beside me. 
uh, or I say beside me, I guess across the mic from me, but uh, go check out. We've done tons of episodes on them. We did a great, uh, I know we did a blah, blah comics where it was Grant Morrison versus Alan Moore. We compared their entire history of works and uh, each one. That's great. Of course, uh, part of the reason why Dan and I became friends was because of Gerard Way's Doom Patrol. A big reason was I started, I couldn't shut about Young Animal books, so I started I started a recording podcast and recording. I made a little audio documentary about Young Animal uh, on YouTube. Go check it out on Doom Club. But I only say this again to further the point of all that comes from and is rooted in Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. And that's what I mean by there's something special in these pages that is special unlike other books. There are certain things that come along certain art pieces that just move people for generations to come and decades to come. And what the white album was to some, what Sergeant Pepper's was to some, what, uh, you know, what walk among us was what cowboy, or, you know, what vulgar display of power, what the cure was, what the black parade, three cheers, all the, my Kim shit that we love all the, all the fucking, you know, every album has come out, every Tupac album, every biggie album, everything. I 100% put Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol on that same list of stuff that, you know, it changed the world in many ways, in many subtle ways. And much like the team itself, as marginal, as weird, as small as those changes might be, over the years they have equated to a mountain of creators that can go back and point to this book having an effect on them this musician pointing to and going Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol inspired this animators going, man, Richard Case's artwork here, Frank Quitely's artwork here. The words that were used to explain this inspired me to make this. I mean, this, there are so many ideas in this book that would go on to be explored more, of course, in invisibles, the filth, uh, even multiversity much later, uh, annihilator, uh, Annihilation. Is Annihilator Annihilation? I can't remember right now. Annihilator, I believe. Uh, so, so many great Morrison books to come much later on that a lot of those ideas started here. And I think in a world where we are pressured to be serious, pressured to figure out everything in an instant, it's important to look back at books like this and go, no. Sometimes it's okay to be just a weird, goofy little dude. Sometimes that weird, goofy little dude just being weird and goofy can have a major effect and save a lot of things and help a lot of people just by being themselves. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this. Uh, I don't want to rant too long about it, but I do want to get this out. So thank you guys again. This show is really fun to record, to study, to make. Uh, I really hope you guys are enjoying it too. Uh, I, if you want to follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, any of that stuff, I'm the real Jason Way on all that. I don't think I have any bookings to promote right now. Maybe. Yeah, again, go to any of those. I will. If you want to see me wrestle live, I'll be talking about it there, posting about it there. Go check out uh, Blah Blah Comics. Go check out uh, Derek from Blah Blah Comics. Uh, go check him out, Schmonster Maker, on Instagram and Twitter. 
uh, has a laundry list of incredible, incredible uh, books that he is making that are coming out this year. They have already come out an incredible Patreon. Uh, I mentioned them earlier. If you if you're a fan that listens to any of the Dangerous Humans work, me and uh, Dan did in the past, go follow him. Uh, I believe Dante Christ on most things. If you're in North Carolina, especially a lot of fucking amazing shows that he helps put on over there. Uh, not to mention another year collective. Go check them out on Instagram. If you're into hardcore music, if you're into the hardcore scene, you need to be there. Any other friends I need to mention? I'm sorry if I forgot. Uh, but until next time, thank you guys so much. And I believe next time we'll be focusing on the amazing, the incredible uh, Rachel Pollock. See you guys then.